0: Hi guys welcome back to the Earthly Delights podcast. Today we have Anna Kio, who's a dance and movement therapist. We talked to her about the scientific understanding behind the practice how it works and who it's beneficial for and much much more. It was a real pleasure talking to Anna and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Without further ado here's Anna Kio.
1: Anna Kio, thank you for coming on to the Earthly Delights podcast. What's the crack how are you keeping?
2: Good yeah I'm pretty good uh, today. I um, uh, it's, I was just saying to Zeb, it's quite stormy and blustery outside. Um, It's an October day, and I find that quite invigorating, actually. So oh. I'm in I'm quite energized today, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, happy to hear, happy to hear. Uh, before we get into uh, dance therapy, I would love for you to tell us a bit about yourself, to, to give the listeners an idea of the journey that you ended up on.
2: Yeah, okay, well... Um, it certainly wasn't something I ever knew about actually. I never really thought I never knew about that as a profession at all. You know, I, um, I, I kind of went to college and I studied anthropology cause I just thought other cultures are really fascinating. And I started mm. to be a social researcher after that. Um, and whilst I loved that, I, um, I, I did really enjoy, uh, finding out about people and what makes people do things. Um, and, uh, what can make things better for people it was a little bit I suppose the academic environment is quite uh very very structured and formal and I realized that I actually wanted to do something much more hands-on with people so I was doing actually a study into dance and as I was doing that because I loved dancing myself as I was doing that I found I came across dance movement therapy and I thought oh that sounds really interesting. And it just happened. It almost happened in one afternoon, you know, where I th- thought, I think this is something that I would really like to do. I had no idea about um, psychotherapy. So dance movement therapy is a psychotherapy. I had no idea about that really. Um, I didn't know what I was letting myself in for with the training. <laughs> um, but um, I haven't really ever looked back since. Um, and uh that, that's how I came into it, yeah. And I've I've been working probably now for maybe twelve years or thirteen years. So wow. yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. And had you had any dance background at all? So I always danced,
2: did the whole ballet classes when I was little, then I did, you know, um modern classes as I was a teenager. And I always loved dancing. Um uh, and actually I looking back, I think that I would have needed something more maybe creative my uh, more a, a dance practice that was more kind of creative or something I think I found the the formal dance practice like a ballet quite restrictive you know so uh, mm. I so I loved it but I and I wanted to be a dancer actually I remember really wanting to be a dancer when I was in my teens but I just kept feeling that I'd never make it you know um I just didn't have maybe it wasn't quite right but I think now I know I just hadn't found the right dance (laughs) the (laughs) right dance practice um and then I uh, always continued to dance and at the time when I found out about dance therapy I was really into tango dancing Oh. So have you heard about tango, Argentine tango? It's a form of couple dancing, which is mm. really popular now. I think it's grown very popular on continental Europe and in Ireland um, as well. Um, and it's, it was just, I um, I did a lot. I did it maybe three times or four times a week. Um, and I think from that, I had got a sense of... Uh, uh, the you know how you can be in a relationship when you're dancing, you know, <laughs> um, mm. and um, in a different way to going out and maybe dancing as a group, you know, in a disco or dancing on your own, you know, or dancing in a, a dance class. This really interactive um, experience because Argentine tango is actually improvised. So you learn basic steps, but when you are asked to dance by somebody or you ask somebody to dance. You have no idea where the dance is going. You know, it's not like um, there's a structure that you follow. You know, and if you're with somebody that is really experienced, it can be amazing because you're suddenly dancing into the music in a certain way, and um, yeah, it's really interesting. So I had done that for quite a few years before that. Um, uh, Yeah. So and I still dance. I kind of when I started to train, then I started to look into different forms of dancing more. I suppose contemporary and um, and I, I, I suppose dancing and uh a movement practice is just part of my life now it comes and goes sometimes I get more uh, I spend more time doing it and sometimes I don't you know it depends a little bit on what's going on you know mm-hmm. but it's just part of uh, my life now yeah
1: I kind of would love for you to like maybe a two-part question one when someone uh, when you tell someone that you're a um, dance movement therapist um, how do you explain them uh, exactly like the ins and outs or how do you give them a better idea for someone who's unfamiliar? And also I was wondering, yeah. so uh, I, I love dancing also, but I'm not, I'm not gifted or I've never trained in, in, um, in a form, particular form, but I just love like dance music and dancing. And I really, yeah. for the last maybe two or two years, I had felt that it was quite cathartic but it was only recently until i came across dance music therapy that it all kind of clicked into place. Mm. But um it would be great if you could kind of tell us what's happening when we are dancing that is that is mm. that is so cathartic.
2: Okay. Um yeah. <clears throat> so i suppose um the first part was um what do i tell people or you know if somebody asks me about dance therapy. So normally what happens is i say i'm a dance movement therapist or, and they go oh, oh what? <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. um, oh and then you know so there's a pause um and uh, and then people say well, what do you do in a session you know and that might be a, a place to start really because um people say oh do you just dance or do you talk or do you tell people how to dance or what do you do so so it's not um so firstly you don't need to be able to dance and I'm kind of um you don't need to have a technique, I suppose is what I'm saying, to come to dance dance therapy. Uh, one of the things about it is that it's really versatile. Um, and you actually can, anybody can participate in dance therapy, even people who cannot move very much at all. So, um, uh, and that's because dancing is just moving creatively. That's it. So once you move your hand And in a way that isn't about picking up a glass, you know, (laughs) you've actually a creative movement, you know. Um, So, uh, and even if you don't move a lot, you will still be able to appreciate movement um, and you'll still be able to have a sense of moving creatively. Um, So so it has nothing to do actually with um, ability, you know, or... um, uh, a technique you know background that kind of thing um and so so the, the session is more about um a letting people find find a dance find their own dance you know <laughs> um and there's lots of ways you can do that and if you're working with somebody on a one to one basis you know you might start off with well firstly you find out what, what is it that brought them to it but then i often play different types of music and we find out how it is to feel when you're and move when you're listening to a certain type of music, you know. Um, and there are different ways of trying out different movements. So we all have movement patterns, you know, where our family um, will move in a particular pattern, you know, within our own cultural system, we'll have different ways of moving. And, you know, you'll know sometimes when you go on holiday, and there's tourists from all different countries there you might be able to spot you know you'll think oh there's there's irish people you know <laughs> there's germans you know <laughs> and you think how do you know that you know but that's yeah. all nonverbal information that you have um a deep knowledge of which is perhaps unconscious a lot of the time so people have a movement pattern but they're also family patterns so a family will develop their own pattern of moving their own dynamic as well and then when you move into relationship with somebody you probably as a couple maybe start to you know develop a, a pattern so um one of the things that can happen in dance therapy is by trying out different ways of moving you actually learn to explore different parts of yourself, you know, or different qualities about yourself that you didn't know you had. And you can use music to do that. But we also use props a lot of the time, like um, a ball or a balloon or scarves or fancy dress costumes like dressing up costumes you know it's amazing when somebody puts a mask on their face (laughs) they pick out a mask of some sort you know and put it on and suddenly the possibility for how they can move after that changes and opens yeah yeah, and so it's but it is about relationship you know so when you're um working one-on-one with somebody uh it, it is about the relationship and, and it is about how what can we create together, you know, or maybe we don't want to create anything together. You know, <laughs> maybe it's, you know, or maybe it's about exploring being separate and doing things differently. So but it is always about being um, in connection and, you know, stepping forward and stepping back Um that's with one-on-one sessions um if you're working with groups then the whole group dynamic comes into play you know um and that's where I suppose it maybe leads on to your second what you were talking about there is that um what why is it good or why is it uh
1: yeah yeah, thought what's, thought, yeah. what's happening that makes us makes it feel so good
2: yeah yeah so when you start moving uh it can happen on your own as well actually dancing you know uh can give you a, a, a feeling of elation you know and joy um, but when you work with when you're with other people you all start moving in in relationship to each other and that can be really really um fun you know <laughs> um and simple things like clapping everybody clapping together you know when in a sing song everybody starts clapping together there's something really um supportive about that, you know, or people waving their arms together or really simple things like that, and or d- dancing in rhythm. So it's particularly if you have music with a very um, strong rhythm and everybody starts uh, moving to the beat, there's something all about that that is we really, um, it, it feels safe and you feel like you belong, you know, mm-hmm. and that's one of the kind of qualities that will come out within a group um setting more often you know um or it's one of the main qualities that can be really nurtured within a group of course within that you can really feel not a lot like you don't belong <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's where in a group dance therapy setting that can be somebody can explore that as well and why why don't they feel they belong yeah um yeah I could go I don't know if you want to know more a bit about the technicalities of it you know or the the neuroscience of it I could yeah
0: we're definitely interested in like the neuroscience of it and like how it kind of why does it work how does it work basically Hmm.
2: yeah so um one of the nice things is that in the last couple of years I'd say in the last maybe 20 years neuroscience has started to understand this more you know so there was always dance therapists or people that worked through the arts for a therapeutic purpose. And lots of people understood that intuitively and would go, um, but they weren't maybe able to explain it. So the nice thing is that there's so much stuff now coming out about understanding about um, uh, chemicals, you know, brain chemicals and hormones and, um, but also mirror neurons is one of the big, um, I suppose, one of the recent findings that has really supported an understanding of dance therapy. So when you, um, a mirror neuron, have you heard of those?
0: No. No. Oh, I haven't. I'm not sure if Jim has. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So it is literally that. So when you watch somebody doing something, it could be lifting a glass or it could be um, walking, walking, or it could be anything at all. When you're watching somebody do something, neurons in your brain recognize what they're doing and you begin to feel that too you know so that's that's um that's kind of embodiment really you know that you feel uh in your body what somebody else is doing so the simple things like drinking glass of water as soon as you see somebody do that you may be React to that. Maybe you'll realize you're thirsty, or you might decide you want to drink yourself. You know, Um, but on a more deeper level, then I suppose not deeper, but on um, the mirror neurons, you, you can. It's it's about being. It's about empathy, really. Mirror neurons are what allow you to empathize. So, and that means that you can actually embody what somebody else is feeling. You know, so that can go from something like watching people doing sports. You know, and you're watching somebody do something and you're like getting really excited, not just because they're winning or whatever like that, but you can feel it. You know, you can feel it in your body. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Or if you're watching people do something extreme and you can feel like, oh, you know, bungee jump or something. Yeah. You no, know, y- you really, y- y- um, your own brain is kind of helping you register how that feels. In the same way, when it comes to um, much more simple things like basic um. Um, relationship, you know, you know, when you walk into a room with somebody um, and you can tell maybe straight away that there's something not right going on for them, that they, you know, and maybe you don't know them very well, but there's something about the way that they're being that makes you think, oh, I don't think they're doing very well today you know and it might lend you might then go are you okay or what's the story you know or vice versa you might walk into a room and the you you suddenly are picking up this sense of um a good buzz or a good energy and you think oh what's going on here you know that can Mm -hmm. happen that's almost it happens instantaneously you know and they're mirror neurons that contribute to that i'm sure there is lots of other things that contribute to it but um so that is why that's one of the reasons why um, moving together, when 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 you move together with somebody and you're following their movement, you actually can begin to embody a sense of what they're feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Particularly when you bring a therapeutic lens to it, you know. Yeah. So right. that's how you can work with people who can't talk so easily yeah. or people with um, uh, uh, learning disabilities or people who've had a stroke or people with dementia. You can, as you begin to move, as they move, um you can begin to feel a little bit of what they're feeling and so that's where empathy comes in and then people can feel like they're being understood a little bit yeah that's really
0: that, interesting. that's yeah, it's really interesting. I've got, uh, there's like a couple of questions that I've got that come off of what you've just said. Uh, the first of which is I mean, we I said before we started recording, but we've spoken to a music therapist in Dublin, w- oh, Jessica yeah. Harris. Mm-hmm. And uh, my girlfriend is a uh, qualified drama therapist. So, mm-hmm. like I said, I don't like calling them. Um, Kind of alternative therapies because i think that can often get misunderstood as kind of woo woo and i don't think that's the case but do you think that this understanding that you said to come this scientific understanding should i say that's come along in the last 20 years or so do you think that is helping um these modems become more professional and more um more recognized in the therapeutic world because i think like we were saying before how uh, I think some people have a very narrow view of what therapy um, constitutes and basically means sitting on a chaise long and say, telling everyone your woes. Um, do you think that this is now actually making, helping dr- um, drama, sorry, dance and movement therapy, drama therapy, music therapy become more established?
2: I, I do think so. Yeah. So. Um... I'm not sure that it makes it more professional because I think um, people who were kind of really trying to do this before were really trying to keep, have a very good standard practice and in some ways trying to be really good so that they, you know, Mm. that they'd be recognized. But um, there's no doubt about it now, really, that uh, the the arts and what happens in your brain when you're doing creative creative activities and also things like the mirror neurons there's just no doubt that they are um influencing you know people's um state of mind state of being <clears throat> and so yeah it cannot be denied anymore and that mm-hmm. has moved up so it's not a case of trying to justify anymore uh, in the same set you know in the same way that it would have been there are there are mirror neurons and this is what happens you know with them um, and you can see that across all the psychotherapy so the whole body is coming into psychotherapy a lot more now you know so even people trained in a very maybe classical classically verbal way are starting to Mm. be things that are starting to include the body you know and, and sensing and your emotions and um and all of that. So that is that is all changed. So the face of um psychotherapy in general and counselling, I think, is changing a lot, a lot. Um yeah. And at the same time, there are still they're still on the margins, you know. They're still margins yeah. the because yeah. it's so hard to make an assessment, perhaps, you know, yeah. <laughs> and in the same way that you can that you can. Um, however, we're getting much, much better at that. You know, we're getting much better at maybe doing assessments with people that we work with and seeing it before and an after you know and then compiling mm. putting it together in um a research study you know which might seem a little bit dry but it's really really important think, needed for yep. other for the wider allied professions to have an understanding um of you know of what it is that you do and how it can help yeah
0: and then uh, the other question well it's kind of two questions um i wanted to kind of get a look into what it would what it would look like in a drop in a dance therapy session. So when you were talking about the mirror neurons and how yeah. basically you kind of mirror each other's movements, um, does that happen in, in an almost symbiotic relationship? What I mean by that is like, for example, I'm not much of a dancer, but if I went to a session mm. and the therapist expected me to move first and mm-hmm. then for the therapist to then kind of copy my movements, i think it would be an hour of um like simon says keep still basically because i'm not sure how much movement would be going on there so i was wondering do you sometimes obviously as the therapist mirror what the person is doing but if you can see that they may be i don't know need warming up for want of a better word mm-hmm. um do you sometimes kind of dance or move in a certain way to get them maybe to follow you and then to th- take the reins gradually
2: yeah <clears throat> I think you've made a really good point there. Yeah, it definitely isn't arrive into the session and then yeah, <laughs> just do something for me, Zab, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it has. So if you picture it like a group, I mean, the first thing that happens is, say so you've got a group of eight people and maybe they'd know each other, maybe they don't. But the, may, the way where people stand, you know, in the room, whether they stand near mm-hmm. me, you know, whether they're right mm-hmm. beside me, <laughs> really enthusiastic, or whether they're kind of near to the door they're just you know they're they're just you know they 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 have that feeling that they can escape I mean all of these things are kind of part of what we when we start a session and see you know so I would never ask the person who's edging out the door to do anything first you know what I mean it's usually the Mm -hmm. person who put themselves right beside me because they're just going to be a different kind of personality but we do um um, a warm-up is really important Um, um for loads of reasons you know um and firstly just to, just to get into um just to get us move into your body a little bit and move inwards a little bit um and begin to feel even a rhythm or feel um uh, just to wake up you know just to oil the joints and just to wake up so i always do a, a structured warm up beforehand mm. um, with anybody that I work with, whether it's an individual or whether it's a group. Um, the only time I wouldn't maybe do a warm up is somebody was really experienced and they had their own that they wanted to do. You know, they had their own way yeah. of doing it. But, and um, so when you're in a group and the warm up is really simple, I usually start with just moving the feet and um, moving from feet up to um, the head and moving all the body. It's mm-hmm. literally just systematically. But um, it's not like an aerobics class where you have to, or um, you know, where you have to do exactly what I do, you know, so I usually just say just start by moving your feet, you know, wiggling your toes yeah. um, and music um, will really, really support this and help this, you know, so choosing a music that is quite um, um has got a, a really good beat to it can really help everybody feel safe because, you know, you know, the beat of the music um, and you can find that. And even if you're moving very, very carefully, you know, or not, you're not moving a lot, you're feeling a little bit anxious or very exposed you can still tap your foot and and Mm. feel you're moving you know and that's how that starts yeah
0: I'm really glad you you brought up the music because that's actually going to be my second question which is I mentioned we've spoken to Jessica Harris the music therapist Mm. and music and dance and movement are intrinsically linked um Mm. and I was wondering how how whether it's in a group session or in a in a singular personal session how do you go about choosing the music and how does that music change throughout the course of a session or sessions what i mean is by that is you know i imagine if someone for example came in i don't know maybe with a really low self-esteem fairly depressed something kind of serious has happened in their life and that's what they've come to you for kind of in my mind i would imagine it to be almost a fairly dramatic music and then almost as the mood shifts the music would also kind of become happier and so on and so forth how does that kind of happen
2: yeah, it, it does happen like that. And I guess um, the music is chosen with the person. So if you're working one-on-one with somebody, you know, um, you. so I, I often have quite, um, I would call it neutral music, I suppose, often kind of maybe um, um, something quite rhythmic because rhythm is always really stabilising and it always makes people feel, you know, more secure. Um, but... Uh, I'm not talking about drumming or something like that. I, that That is brilliant too, but I'm just talking about your standard, what you go into here in a shop, you know, in a shop that's yeah. very safe music. Um, I'd start with that, but then very quickly I'd say, how is that? Do you know? Like maybe we yeah. move one song and then after that, you know, that's where the conversation begins and the relationship begins and somebody says oh i'm not sure about that do you have something more such and such or and then also i would always encourage people to bring their own music you know and we could work with that and explore that so um it does definitely take shape n- n- a change not just in a session a- in, across a whole session a series but Within one session, too. And then there might be times where you say, actually, I don't want music at all. I just want to move Mm. with music because they are intrinsically But art, movement, and dance is its own arts practice and it doesn't require any, uh, you know, it doesn't require music um, in order to be able to dance. Mm. So sometimes people get to a place where they're like, I just want to have silence and I just want to see what happens now, you know.
3: Got you. Got you
2: a lovely um uh which can be a lovely experience but <clears throat> um within a group i tend to be a little bit more um have planned a little bit more about the music but it's more like i have a playlist and i'd have a, a playlist called um warm up you know and there's songs that i would use kind of for a warm up and then i have songs that are co- you know a playlist called more activate you know for songs that are going to get people really kind of um active <laughs> and yeah. I've got one called wind down and I've got one that's more lyrical you know maybe mm-hmm. classical music which allows you to maybe be more um playful in your mu- in your movement and so and then yeah. depending on how the session goes and the group I'm working at I select from that so the most important thing for me is that I know the music So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, this isn't right. What will I choose now? You know, (laughs) or what's going on in the group? Maybe I'm putting, I put something out there and there's just a flop, like nobody is just responding to it. And I think, okay, so what happens now? (laughs) But it's a chance to talk about it. That's it. What's happening here? You know, Um, Mm. uh, so, um, so music is very much part of it, but we think of it as a prop in dance therapy prof and um it's also really important to be able to uh let go of music if that's getting uh-huh. in the way so sometimes people will say i can't dance without music at all but maybe yeah. like, maybe what you need to do is to um see what it's what it feels like to move without any you know any distractions at all you know so mm-hmm. yeah does that answer does that yeah. Answer? yeah no it does it does and and it
0: brings up a sorry to keep on asking you, but like it brings up another in question because you um, you kind of spoken briefly about like how classical music, maybe without the lyrics and stuff, maybe can mm. allow you to be more mm. almost manipulative because you can go with the flow and, and so on and so forth. And I know, be studying being an anthropologist and studying different cultures, I mean, Jim and I always speak about different music from different cultures. Mm. And, uh, we always say that we find like Brazilian music <laughs> almost like the, <laughs> the, the true essence of happiness, like it's true <laughs> true happiness. Because, and I always think, I think obviously, as part of that's the rhythm and the beat. But I think maybe the other part of it is potentially jim and i don't understand portuguese and i think maybe the fact that we're not bound to the lyrics for all i know they could be saying i'm going into the bakery to buy some bread and if that was the case it would kill the song for me Mm -hmm. because i don't understand the lyrics i can kind of almost it, it brings up its own feeling in me and it's almost doesn't matter what they're saying similar to classical in the way that there are no lyrics you can kind of um interpret that the way you're saying and i was wondering does do you um especially with your anthropology background do you like kind of um uh for, for example if you've got an irish person maybe very kind of steeped in the irish culture and so on and so forth mm-hmm. do you find it that it can actually be liberating to offer them maybe music, and then the chance to dance to a music that maybe they've never really heard of or never really kind of um, been familiar with, whether it's Brazilian, whether it is classical, whether it's Japanese, whatever it may be. But something that kind of outside the norm as opposed to those beautiful Irish songs which have beautiful lyrics. But I feel like sometimes that might almost be a restriction in some way.
2: Yeah, yeah. And and I think that's true. And for some people, it may be where they want it. It might be a good starting point, you know? Right. familiar what happens and what you know how the session goes and then you could maybe offer as you say you use that word which is really nice offer um another form of music and that is where i suppose the therapeutic or the psychotherapy can come in because somebody might react mm. strongly to that you know they might think why what's wrong with the music i i like you know got you yeah <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't really get that other music, you know, or, you know, um, and, and maybe they get to a place in the session where they feel safe enough to try that and to see what happens when you play that music. But like that, you have to go quite slowly. Um, I usually try to choose music that doesn't have very strong lyrics um, uh, for, uh, well, it depends on which client group. Uh, so one of my sessions, at the moment, I do a session and have done for a number of years in an addiction rehab clinic. So this is one of the um one of the sessions that they have and it is um with they're all adults you know and they're very yeah. a- various ages um and so um but also they've maybe had a history of um going out dancing and that is really tied up with their addiction so not bringing in music that maybe has very strong um memories for people
0: right <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And then again, you can use that sometimes, you know. But I, I, you know, there was somebody. Those people will often say to me, "Oh, don't play music that is kind of rave-like." Or then you might, they might say, "Oh, do play some rave music."
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, got you.
2: <laughs> About that, you know, um, uh, and so I, I, I kind of try to use music that is. Uh, that doesn't distract, it can be a distraction for people, you know, and they could totally, oh, remember this, remember that, you know, oh, I don't like this, this reminds me of that person I knew once, you know, it can be really distracting. Um, Whereas an actual fact, Uh, the group is about moving together and finding a way of moving together and um so yeah it's definitely one of those questions that you're constantly asking yourself as a dance therapist in the session what how's this Mm -hmm. going is this supporting the process or is it actually hindering it you know or do i have to ask the group about it or you know or the person that i'm working with yeah so i think world music is brilliant but i also find it can make people feel if you're dancing to it it's nice if you're sitting in the car listening to music you think oh i'll try Uh this but if you're asking people and it's quite exposing some you know for people to be in a group um things that are familiar are much better starting point you know and it can be interesting because it can throw up a lot of people's attitudes and opinions uh, if you stick on music, you know, um, from another country, you know, depending on where they're coming from. And that may or may not be something that you want to work with, you know, in the group at the time, you know. So, um, yeah.
1: Okay. It, this this may be like a, a long way of asking a question on, a, on this very topic, but... Um as you said earlier, the, the field of psychotherapy is changing so quickly. And I was reading recently about a, a new therapy evolving called Open Dialogue. And mm-hmm. um, a, a lot of therapists, traditionally trained therapists, psychotherapists, are trying this Open Dialogue. And they say, I'm very frustrated because I feel like I'm not I'm not helping. I feel like mm-hmm. my uh, skill set is not helping a lot of my patients. Um, mm-hmm. And then it got me thinking, do you believe that there are certain... Conditions are certain uh, types of people that are more um, suited to dance therapy or more suited to another therapy, uh, and maybe you could just give us a few examples of the the people and their backgrounds who, who come to you. Yeah, yeah, um,
2: yeah. I definitely think that. Um, different types of therapy will suit somebody at different times in their life, even, you know, so, um, and depending on where you're at, um, and what's going on for you, you might be drawn to certain types of therapy or, and, and then maybe the ones that you're drawn to are not going to help you, you know? <laughs> so like <clears throat> I will often in private practice, have had other people who are, um, uh, who, who, who would feel that they have done a lot of talking you know and they're very good at talking in fact they can talk themselves out of any situation (laughs) or talk themselves Mm -hmm. you know they can kind of do things in their head and work things out in their head but they don't feel like they have a sense of um what's going on for them inside really or they're still not getting to the bottom of something that they want to work out and maybe something like an arts therapy is really good for that because you're coming at it from um another angle you know you can't like with dance it's an immediate thing once you begin to move it's out there you've said it in movement you know you're not pondering thinking of it and it's one of the things that people will say oh um I often do this thing where I ask people each person in the group to do a move and then the whole group follow the move a really simple move you know and I'd start it um and people say oh I can't you know I don't know what to do but they actually you just start moving, you know, and then it's you've let go and you've started rolling, you know, with it. And maybe that feeling of being able to let go and improvise and play a little bit is what's going to really help somebody, you know. Yeah. And then on the other hand, maybe people are really good at that, but they're maybe, you know, they find that they can't actually, they're avoiding it's in a distraction again, and they're avoiding maybe really sitting down, thinking and finding, um, thinking about things they really need to think about, you know, or feel allowing themselves to really feel a feeling that they, they, they constantly avoid. Now, I think movement can be really, really good for that as well, but absolutely it's like almost essential to that. But I think it's about um, in working with the individual and for what they need, you know? So I think most therapists have quite a lot of different trainings behind them, you know, so you start off in one training (laughs) <laughs> excuse me and then you um you think oh I think I'd like to do a little bit more of this you know so mindfulness has become something that's quite um important now for people as well
1: I yeah I, I guess what I wanted to ask was maybe for people listening who are um, who are interested in or intrigued by um dance movement therapy but they're they're You know, with me personally, I also like to hear of like, quote, unquote, success stories or like a transformation that has occurred as a strong result of this particular practice. Um, And perhaps you could give us an example of maybe a a patient that came in and I don't know, maybe they had very high anxiety levels or and maybe if they had childhood trauma and um, and then I and yeah, I'd love to know (laughs) the. uh the healing going yeah,
2: exactly the real the real results yeah
1: yeah yeah um,
2: yeah so i um i feel reluctant to talk about private clients i've had you know no because problem. i've had so many you know okay, no problem, no problem. <laughs> 500 private clients you know it's easy to talk about people but but um i can tell you about certain things that i have um experienced i think there's something about um Finding out that there's more to yourself than you thought there was, you know, this is one of those things that can be hard to quantify, but it can make a huge difference to the person and the way that they live their lives. It can affect everything that they do after that, you know. So when you suddenly realize, um, wow, I never realized I was creative, you know, suddenly you from you know going home to cook the dinner to having a conversation with somebody to what you might google you know has changed so I find that a lot of the changes can happen in that very simple way <clears throat> another thing that I find with for example working in the area of addiction I mean shame is such a huge thing for people shame is both often the the one of the reasons of heading into addiction addiction, and it's also one of the things that keeps you there, you know, um, and how, and trying to like a constant battle of working with shame and finding joy, you know, which can actually happen when you start having a really good laugh with a group of people who you feel you belong with. That can be a moment, really important moment. Um, you know, and, um, or, uh, suddenly discovering that, uh, you tried out something and it was okay. You know, actually nobody laughed or maybe it was everybody laughed together, you know, that um, that you can actually fail. And I suppose within the arts, failure, it's not really something that happens, you know, failure leads to- learning.
3: Ideas,
2: often another tangent, but that can be, that's a high achiever, for example. You know where they have really set expectations about themselves and what they should achieve, and maybe they feel other people in their families, or you know, uh, within their work environment or ever whatever, have very set expectation of them. When they discover that actually you can think about failure in a totally different way, it's like, oh, what you know, oh, but I, I, I that didn't work at all, but we did discover this, you know, <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, that that those little moments are very, very um it can make, make be, can be life changing. Absolutely, for people, you know, it can be life changing, um, and there are lots and lots of studies around the effects of dance therapy on with different clients. You know, so for people suffering from depression, for people studying uh, suffering um, with uh, bipolar or um, with other chronic conditions, or breast uh, recovering from breast cancer. So, I think for particular client groups, there can be very specific goals, and you can get uh you know you can get the um very specific results from that as well but i i i find that it can be the small things that are difficult to assess you know and that somebody might just say but this really helped because i suddenly discovered i can actually be quite funny sometimes and i had forgotten that about myself Mm -hmm. (laughs) or Mm -hmm. um or feeling you know actually um uh I, one of the things I notice a lot about people um, that I work with is that um, noticing what how your body gives you information about what's going on for you at the moment um, and really using that then, you know. So like if you get butterflies in your stomach, a lot of the time you might just ignore it or you might uh, you might eat or do something you know you might do something quickly but actually why do you have butterflies in your tummy you know <laughs> what is that about is it because something mm. stressing you out that you don't know about or that you haven't really thought about are you worried about something and so if you can actually uh feel uh, if somebody can feel empowered enough to be able to uh, uh go okay so I've got there's something going on for me I don't know what it is but there is something going on for me and actually really own that, that can be really helpful. You know, um, like if you're feeling, oh, I, 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 you know, and often we react, we've been given lots of information, you know, and you just run out of the room, you know, rather than actually maybe thinking, what exactly is it that's, uh, that's upsetting me here or that I'm feeling anxious about? Um, and so when you feel into your body, your body gives you so much information, not only about, what's going on but also as you uh as you then maybe begin to breathe a bit more you know aware of your breathing you get and your anxiety calms down so in that moment you can actually shift how you're feeling so those kind of things can be really helpful for people to learn and it's like you carry it it's a whole skill set that was there probably when you were small (laughs) as a child along the way or wasn't cultivated or um, has got confused because of various issues going on you know so returning back to that can be really helpful yeah so i don't know if i've kind of gone around uh, <laughs> around your answer there your question there jim no. <laughs> Or there, i mean if people are interested in like um dance therapy with people with dementia or we you know for people with um intellectual disability there is lots of lots of information very specific to those groups but um the normal you know the, the person who's just thinking I don't I need to sort something out but I don't know what it is that might be things that can help them yeah.
0: And I wanted to, it kind of follows on beautifully because I wanted to ask how does so for someone who's listening to this and going they're teetering on the edge and they're like I'm not sure whether I'm going to make the plunge or not how does it work so if for example Let's use my example. I've had uh, my parents are divorced. If I want, if I came to your session and that was what I kind of wanted, wanted to work through mm-hmm. the trauma <clears throat> of the divorce or whatever the case may be, do do I outline that to you verbally mm-hmm. beforehand? Do I say to you, Anna, look, this is like what I'm dealing with. These are my problems that I really. If nothing else, this is what I want to sort out, or at least go some way to kind of re- resolving. Um, is that how it's done, or is it purely kind of a movement um, dance base?
2: No, that's exactly what happens. And like, if you were coming for the first time, I'd need to get information from you. You know about your
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, your your medical history and perhaps who your next of kin is and all of that kind of standard stuff. So, um, but yes if you're coming with an issue like that, definitely we'd start off by the story of that, you know?
3: Right, But yeah. what
2: would happen is that, <clears throat> uh, well, what would happen is I would I would maybe, as you're talking, ask you to pause for a minute and let's just see what you're actually feeling as you're talking about it. So there might right. be a way, like a, a physically feeling in your body, you know? Yeah. Um, where is your breath, you know? Is it up high you know is it coming up does it feel like it's right up in your throat or um or have you got some kind of tension in your shoulders or you know what is it so Mm
3: -hmm.
2: the story comes out and that's really important but we kind of slow things down a little bit and maybe Uh um uh maybe you might think well at some point actually I think I'd like to move I don't want to talk anymore now you know um I think for the very first session even before the story or there might be a very quick summary, <laughs> summary here, yeah. and then I yeah. go into movement. Then just I do a warm up with the person um, who's there because I think movement is just really important to have that as part of the session. You know, now they may we may just do that for twenty minutes and then go back to talking. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But that possibility of moving through um, and allowing the words to move through you and form into something. Mm. Um, uh, and actually it's amazing when you get up and you think about, you know, your if I said, well, if you think about your parents now, yeah. what happens? What you know, what happens if I was to ask you to put that try and try that into a move, what would come out, you know? And that can be a really yeah. interesting way to come through it. But it's very it, it depends on the individual, you know, and how comfortable people are. So like safety, being really safe in a the therapy session is really important. You know, you have to mm-hmm. feel it safe um a client does there also has to be a little edge to it so that you kind of have something to push against and to work with you know yeah
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So,
2: yeah it's like really important and so um you, you you work that out with the person you know there's some basic boundaries that happen in all therapies obviously but um they are you, you know you work that out with the person a little bit yeah
0: gotcha and and how would it work because you've mentioned certain clientele groups that maybe are nonverbal or at least maybe can't uh, through mental um, problems or whatever it may be, can't actually express or can't give you the outline and can't say, "Look, I'm coming to you with this problem." So, for example, if you had someone with dementia, with Parkinson's, or with a, a with a mental illness, how how does that work? Because that feels like you're almost kind of going into it blind, some in some hmm. in some way.
2: Yeah, but you're working with the person there and then. You know, so if that person is there and then, and you start, you put some music on and they react to it in some way, there's already information to work with, you know? Right, um, okay. So, <clears throat> yeah, you don't need to be able to explain everything. Yeah.
0: And, and then, <laughs> um, what, uh, no worries, another pr- question is that, um, so I, I spoke to my girlfriend um, and she said that her favorite kind of clientele group is the elderly so whether that's they suffer with dementia whether it's um uh parkinson's but she, she finds that the most rewarding like if she could specialize she would kind of only work with those people but then she's told me some stories where you know they've acted out because of you know they're dealing with you know, the parkinson's or whatever and they've lost their temper or they've thrown a tantrum or whatever it may be and i was reading a book recently called uh, this too shall pass by julia um, Samwell. And uh, it's a book about she's a classically trained um, psychotherapist. And she kind of gives some examples of with pseudonyms and everything else to protect their privacy. But she gives examples of patients and their problems and how they work through it. And one thing that kind of keeps on recurring in the book, and it seems so obvious now, but something I think I definitely didn't really think about is the therapist and how they think. Because she was, um, Julius Samuel was talking about how sometimes her her patients would come and they would tell her a problem and she would automatically because at the end of the day she is human she would uh be annoyed at their boyfriend who's treating them badly yeah. or even sometimes for in this one example she found it she found this one guy who came in who was a patient uh kind of really authoritarian and she didn't kind of like how he spoke to her and stuff and she had to kind of check herself talk to her superior and almost because she as a therapist you can't allow that to affect your job Mm. and i was and i was thinking i mean it's so obvious of course at the end of the day whether you're a therapist or not you are a human being and Mm. i think sometimes we think of you guys as like these robots or yeah. or maybe so caring that you never get flustered you never get annoyed you never get angry and I was wondering how does that work how do you kind of keep yourself in check so to speak if you had a patient who was maybe difficult or if they were telling you about a problem that you because you obviously you might have had some personal issues that they might kind of heart back to those how do you kind of keep that all in check
2: yeah, well, actually, it's interesting because, in fact, I think those moments where you as a therapist have a bit of a freak out, whether it's mm. expressed or not,
3: <laughs> are yeah. the most.
2: Moments- gives you so much information you know so like one that's really familiar to me is feeling really like you've done a really bad job as a therapist after the session and when you reflect on it you realize that your client has gotten no self-esteem whatsoever you know and they're kind of bringing that in you know Um, and um, so actually I don't see they're not set the moments to be avoided at all in fact you welcome them you know so I think um, once you have a reaction then there is something going on there with the relationship you know and it's something to work Mm -hmm. with you know so you might have to bring up to the person and say look um when you talk like that it makes you know it makes me feel i I feel like i can't help you as much as i could otherwise because i'm a bit nervous or you know you might you might actually um bring it into a kind of a relational piece yeah um and at the same time uh, i think you need to um well, it's really, really a uh, good practice for therapists to have their own therapy as well. Mm-hmm. You can't do that all the time, uh, you know, for um, year in, year out, but you'll, like, I've had periods where I've gone back into therapy, you know, to work out something for myself or just to have the support there. Mm-hmm. Um And that's where you might. So maybe something happens in a session. I'm quite slow. You know, when something happens, I don't automatically have a response (laughs) for it at all. You know, it takes me a while to realize, oh, that was, oh yeah, that, yeah, I wasn't, that, that, I felt like this when that happened, you know, it'll take a while. Mm -hmm. And so either I kind of come to terms with it myself and I maybe decide to come back to the session the next week and say to the person, oh, you know, um, remember when you said that? Mm, <laughs>
3: yeah
2: that was, uh, you know, I I wasn't sure about that or this is, it led me feeling this way or I might um, go to my therapist and talk about it with my therapist and then decide on whether to make an intervention or not because that's kind of called making an intervention when you actually decide to use something and and, um, act on it in a a way like that. Um, But supervision is also really important Um, and all therapists, regardless of whether they're in therapy or not, have to have a supervisor. So that's somebody who um is really there to supervise your practice and to help you with your practice, you know, um and all therapists um will have to have a supervisor, really, you know, because you can't you know you are a human being, you can't you don't have um you get stuck just like anybody else yeah. does um, you yeah. may be struggle with the, uh, certain um, things that people are telling you about, just like you said, um, mm. and, and and you have to find out how can I work with this? Because actually those moments, it's like, it's one of the things that, that, that um, making a mistake and having a kind of broken connection is where the healing can happen when you kind of then say, look, I'm sorry, you know, or um, sorry, I didn't really respond to you very well like that. Or, you know, yeah, yeah. Or, um should we do this differently is this not working out you know
0: yeah, the 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 um phrase that comes to mind is you can't pour from an empty cup i yeah. think uh, that probably sums it up quite yeah, well yeah
2: you know what is it that um uh you know the crack is where the light gets in you know yeah so yeah. um it, like there's definitely those broken moments those awkward moments are the ones that are very special and can be poignant and Um, And people always act out, like if you're, (laughs) that's part of what happens, you know, in psychotherapy, you act out, you know, that's when you realise, I didn't realise I had that issue. I just totally lost it there when she said something Mm. about, you know, um, the cars, like a Honda Civic, she talked about Honda Civic and I just, "Ah," I went on a rant. Why did I go on a rant about that? You know, that's where you know, or she's asked me to do something and I feel really strongly about, like she, she said to me, put more m- weight into my movement, you know, make it stronger. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. You know, like that's where that all happens, you know, mm. so that, that's not something to be afraid of in therapy or to avoid. Um, and at the same time, you don't want to put yourself in a position where you, you know, <laughs> where that happens.
1: Yeah. Mm. And I wanted to, uh, said mentioned the fact that, many people may have a a limited view on what what therapy constitutes but I also believe that people have some people have a limited view on when would one person need a therapy Um, and for instance if somebody's listening and they think like I mean I'm pretty healthy like uh, I I don't think there's anything wrong quote-unquote wrong with me Um, you mentioned that you sorry what was the phrase you you used the um, when the crack, crack <laughs> when oh, the leg like, that's yeah. No, sorry, you mentioned um, you mentioned before it was the up Your, and the down.
2: Normal, normal, the normal neurotic.
1: Yeah, the normal neurotic. You know, people think the oh, normal neurotic, I don't yeah. need therapy. To like, yeah. I'm quite quote unquote stable or healthy, or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I'm presuming that you would, you have had uh, clients like this and still seen mm. a dramatic development. Um could you tell us a bit about this?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think um <clears throat> I mean, somebody seeks out therapy for, for a reason, you know, so I think lots of people would benefit from therapy and they would never think of going to it, you know, (laughs) know? or, um, and so anybody that does come has got something that they, maybe they don't know about, but they have to kind of, they want to work it out and they, um, and they want to just explore it, I suppose, and, um, play around with ideas around it. Yeah. So, um, But but there's lots of things, I suppose, if you're talking about personal development or raising your own consciousness about yourself, you know, there's so many ways that you can do that, not just within therapy. Um, But the therapy gives you a very um, um, contained space is the kind of word we use, you know, where you kind of can develop safety and you can allow yourself to think thoughts and uh uh, even say things that you would never ever ever allow yourself to do otherwise you know mm-hmm. because you actually feel safe with that person which is different to perhaps going to a group process you know where you're like um uh, which is more of um you know which might be which might not be so regular and where you don't really feel like you get to know people very well. You can also do an awful lot of learning in that of course, but I, um, sometimes people just need, it's the attachment, you know, developing an attachment with a therapist, that sense of connection to them that you're cared for by them and that they're going to be there, you know, so if things do all fall apart, they're still going to be there. And that's part of that agreement that you have with a therapist in the first place. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, I don't know if that if that helps. Like those kind of simple things, like agreeing that we're going to have six sessions, and we're agreeing that we're going to. It could be at this time, this week. You know, this day, this on this day, this time every week. all of those things, it's going to cost this much and that's not going to change all of those things and then having a structure in the session can be really helpful to help people feel safe and when you feel safe you can actually look around, you know, that's the whole thing about feeling grounded Mm. Actually, you're actually feeling grounded you can actually look up and go, oh I see that now, you know, or I don't need to be defending myself from all of these thoughts that I, um, you know that are trying to get in, you can Mm -hmm. just allow Sit and think them, or you can actually allow yourself to feel something. So it's a feeling space, therapy is, you know, where you actually go and you can feel things. That's why acting out is so important. You actually feel. Um, anger you know you feel um, you feel deep sadness or loss and then you think what's that about you know or you feel irritated or agitated you know or maybe you feel happy <laughs> um, you know so you can feel in those spaces and you have to feel safe so I think that's what therapy can give you you know um, maybe that uh, that a different kind of process won't into this in the same way it might give you something very different equally is important, but um, having that kind of safe space is really important, yeah. Th-
1: thanks for that, Anna. Am I right in saying that we store um, maybe some tr- some trauma or some repressed emotions in parts of our body, and that it is something like dance therapy that can help kind of express relief. that, uh, yeah, unleash, yeah, yeah relief?
2: Yeah, well, yeah, and there's lots more information happening about that uh, in developing and learning about that now. But, you know, that, that, that phrase, I think that um, the body keeps the score, you know,
1: um, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. We, we do remember things um, in our body. I mean, when I say remember, I'm talking about, you know, they're in the in the stuff of what we are, you know, in our minds. And we're very sophisticated, so we don't bring them to our attention. Um, But there could be something that was going on there for you a long time ago, which something that happened a long time ago, which is still there, you know, niggling at you and moving will allow that to um, express itself. Yeah. We also talk, though, that the metaphor you can just sometimes just moving um, and maybe it's like the moment of catharsis. You can have a um, a moment of real release um, and you don't know what that is necessarily about but you know something is healed
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: we don't need to talk about it then afterwards you know um only maybe just acknowledge that something happened so the the healing can be in the metaphor of the 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 movement as well know, maybe a moment of feeling that you really belong with the group of people um, and you've had a great moment, a great, a great 10 minutes having great fun together can be a lot of healing for all those moments in the playground where you felt really, really uh, felt like you didn't know who to play with. (laughs) You didn't know Mm -hmm. how to play with anybody. So things can happen without necessarily verbalizing them. Uh, I think that can bring an, an additional element to it, and maybe important for some people in particular. But that's where working with um, people who don't have words uh, words is really important as well. Um, to stay in tune with that, a lot can happen through the movement that doesn't need to be um, verbalized. Yeah,
1: I, I just think it's so interesting because it, 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 knowing this c- can really change. Is personally me and and will inevitably change so many people's opinion on on how what what is like a healthy response to certain issues or whatever um and so for instance i was just talking to my girlfriend who's italian and i have this theory uh why italian people are so healthy or why they live so long and it's because they they when they're angry they really express the anger you know Mm. like you 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 never not well, in my experience, you never really you're you're never unclear about if an Italian person is upset or not. But yeah. compared to the to the Irish culture, where yeah. if someone is incredibly upset, it's just kind of like a blank face or maybe just a, a little bit of anger. Um, yeah. And i I just think that's so interesting, that, and maybe that this is causing a lot of like Irish people uh, distress because they, they have this connotation or they have this belief that expressing anger or expressing sadness is is bad so I won't do that but actually when you when you repress that that's that's causing you more harm
2: yeah and maybe not doesn't serve a situation well either you know maybe if you get angry something then it can change after that yeah um and it, there's a lot of shame around that um i think um and it's maybe acceptable to do it when you're drunk you know or yeah um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, you know there's a you're it's acceptable to people i mean not at the moment because of covid <laughs> I
1: know, I
2: know, I know. Um, no you know you might be more affectionate when you have um in certain situations you know where in actual fact um it'd be lovely if you could kind of um awaken that kind of um capacity to feel an emotion and express it um without um uh, in a way that you know it, it, it is, leads to some change or to completion you know and it feels That's good fun. actually when you're able to express your anger when you notice you're angry firstly <clears throat> and then you express it it can be great relief you know and so yeah. um like I remember <clears throat> excuse me sorry I remember yeah. in my dance therapy training um Anger. I didn't know what it was. I was never angry. What would I be angry about? (laughs) (laughs) This is what it was. And I remember being really pushed by my trainers around. Hmm. So where does anger feel when you have it? I don't know. I really didn't know. I had no sense of what anger felt like in my body at all. Um, And I think this is from being a really good girl, you know, trying to be a really good girl who wants to help everybody. And why would I be angry?
3: Mm. And
2: over the years, um, as, you know, through my training and after that, working with anger has something that has... um, Grown, you know what I mean? So I think I'm much, I definitely recognize my anger now immediately, you know, um, and I recognize, um and I think, okay, I'm going to have to do something about this because I'm pretty angry about it. But I, I I don't necessarily, I think I've learned not to maybe react straight away, you know, so I, I, yeah. but I, still, I can still can maybe do something about that anger. Yeah. So definitely that's the, what you made, the point you made about different cultural approaches to um emotional emotional states is so so different yeah according to culture and within ireland i find that a lot you know um mm. there's something unacceptable about being unhappy about your situation you know <laughs> um, Yeah. you know um, i think yeah
0: i think like the the best is t- I personally to try to be like a bit of a magpie with cultures and to try and like steal the best bits because Jim knows like I'm Italian and now Jim's moved over to Italy and I think we're both guilty on either side so Jim I think is sometimes guilty of romanticizing the Italian culture whereas I can see the bad sides of it and I on the flip side I'm very guilty of romanticizing the Irish culture and everything that's Irish (laughs) and Jim will go ah yeah but when you live here boom 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 this is the problems and it takes like that almost that insider knowledge to know what could look from the outside as a positive. So Jim's saying there about how we express our anger as an Italian. I can say the negative is we express it too much, and sometimes <laughs> it does, it's not needed. you yeah. know what I mean? Sometimes we're arguing over the silliest of things. And you would just in another culture, the quote-unquote stiff upper lip could be put to use a bit more in Italy. And I think, like, if we can – it's hard to, obviously, because it takes a certain knowledge of different cultures. But if we can kind of steal – the best bits from, (laughs) from different cultures, (laughs) then almost you kind of have like the superhuman, you know, because (laughs) you you don't, you don't get the negatives because you kind of like, i don't want that negative part of the irish culture i'll just take the best bits and then i'll look to other cultures and take take from there you know i think that would be like the uh the ultimate aim if possible
2: um something you know the way the way you are um and what you uh, is something that you learn when you're very young i mean very very young you're talking even pre-verbally before you can talk yeah and so you might like the idea of being able to express yourself like an Italian <laughs> but if you yeah. try and do it you'll find like I'm just talking about an Irish person now myself yeah. you might find that it is it seems completely foreign and difficult and you just don't know how to get there and that's where you need to do some kind of um you might think oh, I'd love to be able to express my my anger better and you know in a healthy way uh, but you kind of need to find in your body, how that happens and how, you know, how you do that, you know, and that's where maybe um, uh, dance therapy can really help with that, you know, um, mm. because you're, and you're doing it, you're not coming straight down really hard, learn how to be angry. You know, it's coming mm. out in, in a rhythm that you found, you know, like you might stick on some music that has really rhythmic and then you're thinking, Oh, I can find it. I can feel it, you know, like, um,
3: yeah.
2: so, cause that, what we the way we move comes from um I mean that's why movement is pre-verbal, you know it's even precognitive it was there, like thirty thousand years ago, cavemen were dancing, you know where yeah. <laughs> they were able to communicate with each other um in a sophisticated way um so um but it's very, very early that we learn that, so sometimes we need to give ourselves space to explore that a little bit, you know, mm. so, like my mother was German. <clears throat> And um, I have, I definitely have a lot of movement qualities that, um, are you know uh, that I've learned that I learned from her from a very very early age, you know, and that people will still say to me, even though I've always lived in Ireland, they'll say, "Oh, I thought there was some kind of you were, fun, you know, <laughs> or, or you know, there was something like that." Now I know I, I have blonde hair, but it's more to do with um, a, a way of being, you know, and that's um... something. In some ways you don't have control over until you become aware of it perhaps and then you yeah. can use it uh, you can use it to develop you know and uh, but you know it's only when you go abroad sometimes that you realize how ingrained you are in your own way of doing things you know yeah. you know you know talking to people I know I uh, I studied in the UK and I' go into my placement <clears throat> which is in a school and I just say to people hi how are you you know <laughs> and they'd often go Mm. <laughs> that's a bit yeah. invasive. <laughs> the way that Irish people do, you know. And in Ireland, you talk, you tell people great stories about everything, about even intimate stories, you know, about your families or somebody you knew. You go into lots of detail, um, and that just doesn't happen in 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 other cultures, you know. <laughs> it's mm. in a very different way, and um, so it's really interesting to to really uh, to think about that. It can be good fun, you know. it Can be good fun to yeah. think about that and to to try it out
0: yeah <laughs> yeah Jim and I have definitely spent hours and hours talking about, about all different about the different cultures and how we express ourselves differently um, yeah. with with that in mind you've spoken about like the anger and so on I, we always kind of finish up um asking how people keep on top of their mental health and how they keep their emotions and everything else in check and uh, manageable so I was wondering what 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 are your little tips and tricks what is it that you do on a day-to-day or weekly or monthly basis whatever it may be that helps you kind of keep in check and keep ready as well for for your clients
2: Hmm. well I'm kind of interested in the word that you're using there in check uh, as you know like as if it's something that um has to be kept in or something like that mm. probably um I don't think about it in that way if anything I think it's about letting it out
0: <laughs> oh, okay yeah <laughs> Yeah. that's yeah, no,
2: interesting yeah yeah and so and having uh, always allowing it to be uh, releasing you know um so when I notice that I've gotten really wound up at dinner time you know making dinner and getting you know that I kind of just go uh-huh. okay you know, um, I'm really wound up, I'm really wound up, and then just go, okay, 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 it's okay, I'm going to come down now. So I think it's about, that's the way I maybe, uh, I have learned for myself to just constantly mm. allow things to keep ticking over, I suppose, rather than try to k- keep things um, in, you know, or keep things managed.
0: Got you. Because
2: try to manage what we're, you know, how we are, how we feel, then we get into really tricky territory about mm-hmm. what we should be when and why and you know so <clears throat> so I, I I do try and give enough space to myself to uh feel what I'm feeling you know and then allow it to kind of express itself <laughs> um mm-hmm. And that can be very quiet. Like it doesn't necessarily mean that I explode um, or anything like that, you know, but it's just staying on tune, trying to stay in tune, I suppose, with what's going on with me um, all the time. Um, and I also think um, like I really set limits on myself around what I expect of myself, you know, so I don't have a lot of private clients. I don't have any private clients at the moment, I should say, because I've got a small child, you know, who's two and I. Um, other kids and uh, I need to just make sure that I feel that I am there for them you know otherwise I start feeling guilty about not feeling there for that not being there for them or I'm cutting down you know I um it's just about prioritizing and thinking what am I gonna do you know set limits for myself mm. and um, when I need space and how much I can take on you know um like I know I kind of I po- postponed this uh, podcast because a couple of weeks ago I schedule things way too much and I thought oh no 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 that's stressing me out I just need to see if I can ask to change that you know yeah 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 By doing that but I think that's how trying to stay in tune with my own levels of what's going on with myself whether I'm feeling exhausted and then following through on that you know um or whether I need to spend time with people that I enjoy you know the company I enjoy or whether I need to um eat something really tasty so that's that's kind of how I I um, move with it. I should say, move with the changing landscape of what goes on in, in in inside in my head and in my body. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's a beautiful. I'm answer. really happy. I, I, I love, love that answer. answer. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, it's really courageous. Because I was even talking to my friend recently, uh, Rachel, who we recorded a podcast with. And it's almost like now I take it as a badge of honor if I don't have plans for the weekend or if I don't have a particularly busy week. Because I think in our culture, like generally in the West, it's like, why aren't you busy? You know, busy is yeah. good. Aren't, business, it means you're productive. It means you're contributing. Mm-hmm. Et cetera, et cetera. But there is a lot of diminishing returns where you're just doing things and you're not representing yourself. You're not put. you there. There's a, a cap, like you said, like yeah. a thing where it's like, oh, I, can, I can't. Uh, contribute how I would like to contribute if I have to do all these things so mm-hmm. I, I I understand that for many people it's a luxury maybe to be able to say oh you know I have to do this I don't have the option but I also think a lot of people um, would benefit from taking your approach you know saying hey I, I need my time you know my time is very important and yeah. It, mm. it, it can't be monetized you know it can't, like this overtime that a lot of people are asked to do and stuff you can't really put a price on this kind of well-being that you feel when you take the time for yourself
2: yeah or and sometimes doing things like something creative is seen as a luxury you know or um maybe <clears throat> taking time out just to sit down with your cup of tea you know mm. <laughs> and yeah. that's else you know um it's almost you know you've got time for that you know um when actually i think it's about you you are the you own it's your life you know you are the person that is living in your body and living out your life and so um it's if you can really get, get hold of that, then you can think, well, actually, I really, I would like that now. Not even I need it, you know, but I would like that now. I, I, that would be good, you know, mm-hmm. to have that and changing the expectation. So there is a huge amount of expectation um, within, as you were saying, within the West about achieving and what you need at a certain age. And uh, and if you don't have it, what set does that put you into? You yeah. know, are you happy? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know or or you're just not somebody that is interested in success you know you're not you've no ambition you know <laughs> um, uh, mm-hmm.
3: um,
2: and I'm laughing but actually those things can be really serious because what happens is you make decisions that are totally um unhelpful for you in your life so you maybe you go and you train or you study in something that actually isn't the right thing at all for you you know um and I mean so many of people I know have are doing different things to what they did when they first went to, when they left school. You know, they've kind of come to a totally different place and realize actually, I should have done that. Do you know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. And so a little bit of time, you Mm -hmm. know, it's the small things. You know, actually, this time with my two-year-old, I won't ever get it back, you know. I won't ever get it back. And I do feel a pull. Um, oh, uh, when will I? And I also feel excited about things that I might do in a while, you know, when this time has passed. But I have to keep reminding myself like he's never going to, um, I'm not going to, that's not going to be there anymore. You know, like uh, when we went inside the pumpkins that are outside the house this morning, he just went, oh no. It's one of the only pumpkins <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and the pumpkin was fresh, you know. I thought, mm. oh, those little moments those little joyful moments are actually so important and i it's like you need a quota of those in a day yeah. <laughs> and you know the pressure nowadays um if you don't feel joy and if you're not able to access peace <laughs> yeah. you know um if you don't able to do a mindful minute you know, then there's also, there's pressure on you to do all of those things, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a conference on at the moment called the Embodiment Conference. It's online. It's got fantastic speakers. It's like so exciting. And to be able to have them all there in your front living room, you know, and I spent ages one night, like up until two in the morning, looking through the schedule and trying to think, oh, I'd love to see that person and that person, but they're on at two o'clock. I can't do that, you know. And actually, I haven't looked at anything.
3: <laughs> because <laughs>
2: Um, not that I've, I've kind of thought about it but in the moment actually you know it was more important to actually take my time over dinner or you know to sit and sit and have a chat with my husband in the evening as opposed to legging it off and up to the bedroom to look at somebody presenting you know across the water Um, how much information do I actually need right now I don't mm. need that information actually I'm fine as I am right now and I will something that I really need to find out about myself I will in due course because that's what happens (laughs) it keeps coming back at you and you learn you think I need to do something about this but actually I don't need any of that so um uh, so even that has been an interesting process over the last while okay I don't know it's okay I'm going to just do this that is nice here right now you know Um, and And I think that is about maintaining mental health because I could get really caught up on that or reading stuff, you know, reading about um things that I'm interested in. I love reading. Um and um
1: but uh sometimes it can be too much, you know. Thanks for sharing that Anna because I think it'll resonate <laughs> with a lot of people Yeah I just wanted to quote a former guest onto the podcast who says that yeah when you come to the end of your life it's very rare that people say I spent too much time with my son. I spend too much time with my cousins and, you know, my dad and, and very often it's the flip. It's I spend too much time working really, or I spend too much time doing yeah. this.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it does I it just to have the time, I think, to be able to and it doesn't take a lot of time. It might take 30 seconds you know, <laughs> to actually reorder your expectation for the day, you know, yeah, Um yeah. it does take a lot of effort. And I think we can be too exhausted to even give that the effort that it needs, you know, to like reorganizing your day can actually take quite a moment of energy, you know, um, and uh, and then it's good when you've done it but um <clears throat> yeah uh, definitely uh, i want to get to the end of my life and think yeah yeah <laughs> i'm kind of glad that i spent that <laughs> time dancing yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, as opposed to oh i'm i should you know i i mean we're always maybe we always have regrets or we always think about things differently when we get older but um when we look back but I think some things are are um, some things you will never get back. You know, um, you can always become creative or you can always begin to explore your creativity, even in older age. Like we had a client, we've had clients that are in the late 70s and I, f- I find it so admirable um, uh, coming in to deal with their addiction in their late 70s, you know. <laughs> yeah Uh, because they still feel they have a hope you know and that there is hope there and that they may still change the way their life is um um, and if that's something very um meaningful i think yeah
0: sure i mean it's been a beautiful conversation and we've really 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 enjoyed it and i'm glad you rescheduled because uh yeah we i feel like we got the best of you so that was probably i
2: I would have been a bit like
0: uh exactly it was a good call on your part so but for anyone listening who who wants to who's you know maybe has been turned on to this and is now interested in da- in um, sorry, dance and movement therapy where can they find you any social media any websites where they can where can they find some more information
2: yeah so um i do have a website which is called moving the moment so it's just moving the moment um dot ie i think it is um mm-hmm. but also the irish association of creative arts therapies a cat have a great website and in Ireland all of the um, arts therapists whether it's drama music dance or art are on that website and it's brilliant also because it gives you a really good insight into all of the different um modalities um and yeah it's a great starting point um great stuff there's lots of journals you know if you're more interested in things more academic kind of stuff there's um I'm a editorial assistant for a journal called body movement and dance and psychotherapy so I've worked on that for like um twelve years and it's been brilliant um and there's arts and psychotherapy so there's there's if you're you know more inclined to read your way into yeah <laughs> into finding a therapist, then that's the way to go maybe um but um yeah i is that the information I'm very bad at Facebook. Yeah. one of the things i've re- uh, deprioritized in my life <laughs> myself
3: <safety. laughs>
2: I really like I, I just can't stay on top of it so I've got a if you go onto my Facebook page you'll find that there's been no posts for the last although I might have a post now and I can put the podcast <laughs> on
0: yes <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll put all the links in the show notes I think the cut one I think uh, Jessica Harris also she, uh, she mentioned, um, that. mentioned that one. So, so yeah so uh, that will definitely be in the show notes they'll all be there guys so anyone who's listening who wants to find out any information you can find all the links in the show notes um, but also, uh, so yeah.
2: I just thought of something there is uh, um like the American Dance Therapy Association also have lots of mm-hmm. YouTube um videos and stuff like that so that can be a really nice way in to either hear something more about it or see some practice happening you know Fantastic. um ICAT is working its way towards that with it's got a great that. journal called polyphony but um yeah uh, so I think actually it's one of the areas where you can find a lot of stuff um if you're interested you know uh great stuff. yeah
0: great stuff we'll definitely put that in the show notes as well so anyone that he wants to see what it's all about they can click on youtube and find all the videos there Uh, i just want to take the opportunity again anna to thank you for for your time it's been really good and i've really enjoyed the conversation
2: yeah me too it's been lovely to talk to jim and zeb i was so happy to (laughs) and i realized we're just two guys
0: (laughs) yeah that's all we are nothing special just two guys (laughs) beautiful stuff (laughs) <laughs> beautiful stuff well we'll we'll hope that everything goes well and um hopefully we'll maybe even talk to you in the future if there's some more developments in the uh, dance and movement therapy world we'd love to have you back on for sure hi guys thank you for listening to the podcast please don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review if you haven't already every review helps us climb the podcast charts so that even more of you can listen to our amazing guests we really appreciate the support remember to tune in next week but until then keep safe and have a good one